today is Palm Sunday and it's the, it's the beginning of Holy Week where we spend time preparing our hearts and our minds and our, our schedules for this thin time in the year where the spiritual realm, the divine feels closer on earth. Holy Week is about more than Easter eggs and holidays and what catching up with family. It's actually about preparation of our hearts and our minds for the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. And for me, I don't know about you, but I can, I can miss the fullness of who Jesus not only revealed Himself as, but who He is today. I can relate to different aspects of His nature and sometimes miss the fullness of who He actually is. And so Palm Sunday is about the revealing of another aspect. It's about revealing another part of the fullness of who Jesus Christ is. Palm Sunday is the beginning of the end. It's the final run up the hill. It's the final sprint to the finish line. Jesus lived on earth for around 33 years, depending on what commentary you read. And it's interesting because the, the canonical gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the recorded story of His life on earth, a third of those gospels are actually about the final week of His life on earth. So it's to like underline, highlight, illuminate the point that this final week is so important to His followers to fully comprehend, to begin to understand the fullness of who Jesus really is. And it's interesting because in the lead up to Palm Sunday, there's this moment where there's these two blind men, they cry out. As Jesus is walking past, they cry out, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd, they quieten them. Shh, shh, be quiet. But they will not be quiet, Son of David. Son of David. It's interesting because up until this point, up until this point, the full revealing of who he is hasn't, be, hasn't been apparent. Son of David, the reference is the Messiah, the King, the Saviour of the world is gonna come from the lineage of King David. And what they are saying is, he's the King. Here He is, have mercy. He doesn't deny it. He doesn't deny His royalty, His kingship. And He goes to them and He says, what, what do you need? We wanna see, Lord, we wanna see. He says, let it be. And they see. The first six verses 
in Luke 19, where they talk about, where, where it's recorded of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. The first six verses are all about Jesus preparing His arrival as a king. After Jesus had said this, He went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As He approached Bethphage and Bethany, at the hill called the Mount of Olives, He sent two of His disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it, you will find a colt, a donkey colt, a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as He had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. It's an interesting moment because these disciples are sent to go and get this colt without knowing the true why behind it. All they've been told, go and get the donkey. Tell them the Lord needs it. It's a side point to this message today, but I wanna say, perhaps there's something that God has been asking you to do for some time and you haven't had a clear enough understanding why you should do it, but He's asking you to do it all the same. We don't always get full understanding of why we should do it, but He invites us to be obedient to Him, even though we may not know the fullness of the why. And so these first six verses contributed to Jesus arriving as a king. And then they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As He went along, people spread their cloaks on the ground, on the road. When He came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully to praise God and loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I told you, He replied, if you keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Jesus is revealing Himself as a King in full royalty. Different commentators, they look at the donkey and they, they've commented on the donkey and, and, and for some they say the donkey is actually a representation of peace and of meekness and of gentleness and of a servant. I mean, why was He on a big grand horse? Because He came to serve. He came gently. He came as a different sort of king, an unusual sort of king with a very unusual sort of kingdom. And so he arrives on a donkey. Others, other commentators say, hey, the donkey is actually a representation of evil. That to the Hebrew, Hebrew people of that day, they would have looked at this donkey and they would have realised this is evil. But here is Jesus sitting on top over that evil, having conquered that evil. There's a lot more going on to the story than meets the eye. Perhaps we could be missing some of who Jesus is, just like some of these people, the Pharisees are actually missing through the story. 
The disciples have been walking with Jesus for three years now and they have seen Him appear in so many different forms. They've seen Him as the healer. He had just risen Lazarus, not before the arrival into Jerusalem. He pro- he'd provided meals for thousands of people out of five fish, two loaves, five loaves and two fish. He was the provider. He was healer. He was their friend, compassionate, kind, leading them gently. He, he, he had come as man, fully man, a man who got tired and was hungry and needed to sleep and to poop. He came fully as man. But it's interesting because even though there's these followers crying out and worshipping as he's arriving into Jerusalem, they still haven't fully grasped the fullness of the type of king he's going to be because as they cried out, and in some versions it says, Hosanna, Hosanna, which actually means pray, save us, liberator. So they thought he was coming to liberate them from the Romans. He was coming to liberate them in a completely different form than they actually were worshipping for. But how much more worship is truly due the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. There's a call to worship. And at times we can miss the true revealing of who Jesus is. There's lots of different aspects to the nature of Christ. There's lots of different parts to His being that we can relate to. And for some of us, we find some parts of His being a lot easier to relate to than others. Uh, there's, There's lots of aspects to who Christ is and who He reveals Himself and who He will continue to reveal Himself. In Revelations, it says He will come riding on a horse. He will will come again and He will come to judge the living and the dead and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that He is Lord. He's that too. There's different aspects that I think that we can relate to and find easier to connect with because we have biases, because we have ways of thinking about God, preconceptions, misconceptions about who we think of when we pray or interact or spend time with this Messiah. We can can miss it through our tendencies toward one aspect of Him. And and there's there's just two aspects I want to talk about this morning. And one of those is that we often can find ourselves relating to Jesus' friend. Jesus is my friend. He he takes care of my needs. He's tender. He's kind. He's He's, he's there for me. He's close to me. He's available. He's, he's with me. Jesus is my friend. And that is true. John 15, 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. That is true. However, one of the challenges with relating to Him as friend is that sometimes we can find ourselves becoming a little over-familiar with Jesus. We can find ourselves becoming uh, chummy-chummy, buddy-buddy. We can find ourselves 
interacting him, with him in such a way that he becomes an image of our own minds. The Swiss philosopher Jean-Jacques Rousseau, he said, God created man in his own image and man being a gentleman returned the favour. That sometimes we can actually conjure up an image of Jesus that actually works for us. And so when Jesus comes to us and says, hey, you know what? I'm your friend, but I'm also your king and I'm your Lord. And so when I want to talk to you about being obedient, about changing the way you live, about living differently or the sense of awe that you need to access me as a friend, as a king, we can miss. On the other end of the spectrum or the continuum is we can find ourselves coming in relationship or relating to Jesus as King, as Lord, as omnipotent, as omniscient, all-powerful. He's, he's all-encompassing. Yeah, He's Creator, but we can find Him sometimes a little distant. We can actually find ourselves, this would be true of me, is I don't know if I'm fully worthy of that love that you speak of. I don't know whether I actually carry enough value to be your friend. I don't know if I'm actually living my life well enough to truly be able to be your friend. I just, I, I, we, we can come with a sense of, yes, you're king, but I'm not worthy to be in your presence, king. Lord of the Rings. Either you tend to be a big fan or you're a really unfan. <laughs> Any Lord of the Rings fans? This is actually for you, Chris. Uh, I love Lord of the Rings. I used to read Lord of the Rings to my children for when they were like five and six years old. It gave them nightmares and uh, they, they were receiving counselling for it, but I loved it. They would fall asleep, I'd keep reading. Uh, don't do that. You wait till they get old enough to be able to really appreciate all the orcs. Um, there's, there's, there's these characters, these, these hobbits, they, they're between two and four foot high, they're really short, they have hairy feet. <laughs> they, 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 they love life, they love, they love food and they love to smoke. What do they smoke, Chris? They... Yeah, they, they, anyway, <laughs> they're quite content little beings that are very fragile and they're just, yeah. I don't know the description there anyway. And, <laughs> but anyway, they, they, they're sent on this quest to, to have this ring, which rules all the rings, which has all the power of Middle Earth. They're sent on this quest to destroy the ring. They have to go to the Mordor, this evil place, throw the ring in Mordor to be destroyed. But anyway, they start off on this journey and as they go on this journey, they very quickly realise that they're in deep, deep trouble and they do not know where they're going, what they're supposed to do, and they are fearful. And there's a guy that arrives on the scene. Here's the picture. There's Aragon. He's got a crown on his head. Aragon, arri Aragon arrives, not as a king in this moment, but he arrives as like their guide. And he's quite mysterious and they're a little bit distrusting of him and they're not sure about him. But then over time, as they go on this journey, they realise that they not only can trust, them with, trust him with their whole lives, they need to. 
He protects them. He, 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 he defends them from orcs, from the Nazgul, from the evil. He, he, he shows them where they need to go. Aragon becomes their closest like friend, confident, carer, comforter. He, he's, without him, they're in trouble. But there's this beautiful moment when they get to the end of the story where there's this realisation, this revealing of Aragon as king. And he's king over Middle Earth. He's, he's, he's the ruler, he's royalty. And there's this stunned moment where they bow down in awe of this king. And what is so interesting is that there's this new level of reverence and of awe and of wonder at who Aragon is, but it doesn't forsake the truth that they are still his friend. There's just so much more to Aragon than met the eye. They'd actually missed it. And what's true of those hobbits and Aragon is true of us in Jesus Christ. That we can be journeying with Him. He can be leading and guiding and showing us where to go, but we can miss His royalty. We can miss the fact that He is a King. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords the creator of everything, the very being that gives us breath and yet friend. I have a friend. He was an all black. And uh, in the 90s, uh, they were in England. They got invited to go and meet the queen. And... Uh, they were at Buckingham Palace. They're in one of the large rooms, uh, eating club sandwiches and drinking tea. And, and uh, he said they're in this room in their suits, like really nervous, like so excited, like oh man, we get to meet the Queen. You know, this is amazing. And they're all like sort of like little school children. You know, like oh, the Queen's coming. And then the next thing they knew, there's these big petition doors opened, and in walked the Queen. She's so little. <laughs> and she, she walked in and my friend said it was just like, wow, royalty. The stories, the pictures, the, the, the things they'd read about her, the, here she was in person. And it's like, oh, this is so, they were just like, wow, just on attention. You know? and, then, and, then, and then a minute later, and walked Princess Diana. And he said, man, we thought we were in awe of the Queen. He said, wow, Princess Diana. <laughs> I just like, take your breath away. Hairs on the back of you. She's beautiful. Whoa. <gasps> Royalty. Splendor. Awe. And as they began to talk to the Queen and Princess Diana, they found out that Princess Diana, as they were talking to her, that she knew so much about them. She knew the story of the All Blacks. She knew the history. She, she, she knew the significance of what the All Blacks stood for and what they're about, the Haka. And she actually knew some of their names. And he was like, 
And as he was talking to the Princess Diana, he was like, how do you know all this about us? And she said, well, the Queen Mother and I have just been in a room above here studying you guys for three hours. <laughs> and, but it, but, it, but it, it took away the tension. It, it took away the nervousness and, and, they, and they laughed and they began to joke and they, and they were talking to, they couldn't, you couldn't believe it, so we were talking to Princess Diana. And, and then one of them even had the cheek to say, hey, what are you doing later tonight? <laughs> and she said, I'll check my schedule. It's a kind way of saying not available. Royalty, awe, wonder, and yet knew so much about who they are. It's the same with our King Jesus. Awe, splendor, royalty, King of Kings. He knows every detail of our lives. He knows us. He knows you. He knows you. And He wants to be your friend. And so between these two things, aspects of Christ's nature of friend and king, there's an invitation at Palm Sunday. There's an invitation to truly acknowledge wherever you're at on that spectrum. You're my friend, I acknowledge you as my king. Or perhaps today I've been acknowledging you as my king, but today I receive you afresh as my friend. But it's interesting because both of those ends of the spectrum draw us to a place, as we've been singing about this morning, a place of awe and wonder and worship at who He truly is and who He wants to truly reveal Himself to us as He is this, this Holy Week. He wants to reveal it to you and I, to our hearts in a greater way for us to lay down like those followers did as He arrived on a donkey. They laid down their cloaks, they laid down the palm branches the cloaks was a representation of their identity. It was a representation of their belongings. They, they laid it down to let Jesus walk over it. It was an act of surrender. There's an invitation today, Palm Sunday, as we lead into Holy Week, to receive that invitation, to acknowledge Him as King and friend afresh, and to lay down our stuff, our identity, the things that we have perhaps been holding tight to is an invitation to lay them down this Sunday, this Palm Sunday and pick up the revealed King, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm actually gonna invite the, the worship team to come up and give us an opportunity to, to lay down, to pick up and to worship Jesus in the fullness of who He has revealed Himself to be. So I'd love it if we could He'll stand again.
and I'd love it if you'd let me pray for you. Lord, You see us. You see where we're at. You see our limitations. You see the parts of our heart that perhaps have been hurt, abandoned, disappointed. But Lord, we know that You are faithful, that You are trustworthy, that You are our friend. And today we also acknowledge You as our King, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so Lord, today would You, for each of us in our own hearts, as we examine our hearts, as we prepare our hearts towards Easter, would You help us to lay down the things that aren't of You, those biases, those misconceptions, those preconceptions of You. Would You help us to lay them down and pick up the fullness of who You really are.